At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than a life policy. It's about the promise and the responsibility that comes with being a new parent, being there day and night, and building a plan for tomorrow, today. For the ones you'll always look out for, trust Amica Life Insurance. Amica, empathy is our best policy. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. What is up, H-Town? Welcome back to the Believe in Astros podcast on the Believe Podcasting Network, my name is Jeff Balky, and I'm happy and thrilled to be back with you for episode two. Episode two. Numero dos in the books coming up, and I am back with you flying solo again. Uh, you can reach me on Twitter at Jeff Balky, at J E F F B A L K E. I am a writer for the Houston Press, and I also do. Most Mondays on KUHF 88.7 in the 9 o'clock hour on the Houston Matter Show, Talking Sports. But I'm here to talk all things Astros today, and boy, do we have a lot to talk about. It is currently about 10.30 on Tuesday night. The Astros just wrapped up a win over the Mariners in Game 2 of their series, and you know... um, it's not an easy series for them. I mean, the Mariners obviously took two out of three against them a couple of weeks ago in Seattle. And really, you know, another tough game today. But the Astros ultimately came out on top because, again, once again, they had great pitching. And tonight they got some timely hitting. Justin Verlander, after a rough outing his last time, seven innings pitched. Seven hits, 12 strikeouts. Just phenomenal performance by JV. Only one run allowed. And the Astros tack on four runs after that. Uh, Big two-run home run just over the right field wall for Jordan Alvarez, his 17th of the season. Uh, In the seventh inning and then in the eighth, the Astros, Rafael Montero, shockingly, loads the bases. Um, on three walks. I mean, the guy only had five walks coming into the game, and he loads the bases on three walks. However, he gets a double play thanks to Jeremy Pena, and they get out of the inning, and they uh, finish off the series. It should be noted, before I even dig into what I normally talk about, that the Astros were without their manager, Dusty Baker, tonight. Uh, Baker was suspended for one game after the little dust-up that happened in Game 1 against the Mariners. Um, Hector Neris threw a pitch that went behind uh, Eugenio Suarez, which, by the way, we can just set this to the side for the moment, but Eugenio is a much cooler name than Eugene. No offense to Eugenes out there, but if I were a Gene... If my name was Eugene, I would go as Eugenio, honestly. Uh, 
Anyway, Hector Neres threw behind Eugenio Suarez. Scott Service came running out onto the field. Scott Service is a bit of a hothead. Dusty Baker came out, and he got a one-game suspension. Neres suspended four games and fined. Um, honestly, I think the whole thing was kind of on Service, who, who, you know, like I said, he's a bit of a hothead and was, you know, kind of yapping from the dugout a big chunk of the game. But, you know, they got the Astros for, for what they got them for, and, and, you know, the Astros will live with that. That's fine. Neris, uh, relief pitcher, they'll, they'll survive uh, without Neris for four games, although their bullpen has been a little taxed. They've used them a little more than normal here over the last few games, which is frankly not much. Uh, considering how little they've used the bullpen this year, thanks to their outstanding starting pitching. But, you know, I know a lot of people are worried about the offense for this Astros ball club, and, and it's reasonable. You know, we I outlined some of the issues last week that the Astros are struggling with, which, by the way, you can find uh, my last week's episode on Spotify and Apple Playlist. Just search for Believe in Astros, B-L-E-A-V, in Astros. You can also find it on the Believe Podcasting Network at BLEAV.com. But the truth is, you know, I mentioned this in my story in the Houston Press this week, and I'll I'll have a link for that uh on the Believe on my Believe Podcasting site. Um it's a bit like complaining, and I I remember this from an episode of Friends. It's a bit like saying, you know, my wallet's too small for all my 50s, and my diamond shoes are too tight. Because uh, as of doing this, the Astros are now at nine games on the Angels. The Angels have lost, I think it's 12 in a row, which is a um, a franchise record for losses in a row. And um, I think they were leaving 5-4 last I checked. I'll, I'll do a quick check while we're, while we're doing this right now. Um, but, but the thing is, is that the Astros are, are rolling along, even with their offense not doing well. Um, and, and just, yeah, right now, bottom of the fifth, Angels are up five to three over the Red Sox from what I can see. Um, uh, so, you know, it, it's, it's weird. We're doing a lot of complaining and it's understandable. You know, you want to see the Astros hit like they have been in the past and like what we're used to from them. But, I mean, they're rolling along in the AL West. They're one of the best teams in baseball, period. They're 21-14 and 14 on the road and have played more road games than any team in Major League Baseball. And they're 14-6 and six at Minute Maid Park. I think that number probably 15-6 and six to, after tonight. Um, and it may actually be 15-7. and seven. I'll have to check that because I'm not sure if this was recorded with their game last night or not. But look, I mean, the Astros are really, really good, and they continue to be really good. So as much as we'd like to complain, there's a lot of good news. And let's start with the first part of that good news, and and that is the Astros signing Jordan Alvarez to a six-year extension worth $115 million. That means that he is locked up through 2028, at roughly 19 million per season, and given his prolific um, run 
at the plate. Jordan Alvarez, that's a steal for him. I mean, I know that seems crazy, $19 million per season. I could buy a lot of sandwiches with $19 million, and if you know anything about me, you know how I love a good sandwich. I even write about sandwiches, by the, by the way. But let me tell you something. That's a bargain for Jordan Alvarez. The Astros clearly wanted to lock him up um, early in his career. He still had time before arbitration. He still had a while before. I think it was 2026 before he was a free agent. But the Astros didn't want to go through all that. They're like, look, let's get this guy signed. And the fact that he's also really improved uh, defensively in left field. I mean, he's been, he hasn't been a liability. I think a lot of people worry he'd be a liability. He's been a plus defender in left field, particularly because he has tremendous arm strength. Um, and he's really good speed for a big guy. I mean, this is a guy that is now going to be one of the faces of the franchise. And it and when you think about it, it's pretty remarkable how the Astros have veterans in there like Verlander, like Jose Altuve, like Yuli Gurriel, who we'll talk about in a moment, even to a certain degree Alex Bregman and Michael Brantley. And you mix that with these young guys, with Jordan and with Kyle Tucker and with now Jeremy Pena and Framber Valdez and Christian Javier and Luis Garcia and Lance McCullers. Um, you know, the, it's a team that's really done an incredible job of keeping the pipeline of young talent moving into the organization and moving through the minor leagues. And they have real talent in the minors, particularly in the outfield. Um, and they have some excellent arms. So the Astros are really doing well. I mean, they should be the envy of a lot of franchises in Major League Baseball, and they certainly are. Now, the next question to ask is, is Kyle Tucker next? Reportedly, Tucker and his team turned down an offer from the Astros around the same time that the team was re-signing, or I should say extending, Alvarez. But that's not quite as ominous as it might sound. Tucker is not eligible for free agency until 2026. Uh, he's not arbitration eligible until, I think, a, two years from now. And, you know, they have time to negotiate with him. And I, I would bet that they're going to do that sooner rather than later. Look, Kyle Tucker has had his ups and downs, but he is clearly one of the best outfielders in baseball. He's incredibly good defensively. He, he's been hitting the ball really well lately, and he continues to do so. I mean, he and Jordan, when you, look at, when you look at the team going forward, if you say, okay, who are the main guys on this team that you can see as a part of this team long term? And you really think, well, look, they've got half of their outfield pretty much locked up. We'll talk a little bit about Jake Myers and how he might be a long-term fit. Um, so they might have, if not all, most of their outfield locked up. They'll certainly have half of their infield locked up in Pena and Bregman, who we assume will be here for a while. Um. And they'll have at least some of their starting. You got to assume that at least three or four guys that are in their starting rotation currently are going to be with the team through the you know for the long haul. If they assuming they can sign them all, and they have a good pipeline coming up. So Tucker, you would have to think is probably going to be pretty soon. Uh, maybe he doesn't want to sign during the season. Maybe he's hoping to have a good season and and up his value. We'll certainly see. 
but I think there's no doubt that he's he's next on the list. But I will say that a really good season for Jordan Alvarez um, is probably not great for Kyle Tucker because they're going to say, listen, we're not going to give you more than Jordan Alvarez. And frankly, if, you're, if I'm Kyle Tucker, I don't pass up $19 million a season, but we'll see where that goes. You know, we talked a little bit earlier here about the Astros having a couple of suspensions. You know, <laughs> the other night in Kansas City in the series finale, we had a real interesting moment, and that was when Ryan Presley brushed back the nine-hitter for Kansas City with two outs in the ninth inning. The umpires got together, they had a little bit of a conference, and they gave warnings to both sides. It should be noted that the next day, or there were quotes in the paper, I assume after the game happened, saying that, you know, maybe they were trying to brush him back a little bit. Maybe it was a little bit intentional because during this series, Jeremy Pena was plunked twice and Jordan Alvarez was hit just one inning earlier. And and for Alvarez, it was kind of unique because he had already had a homer, a triple, and a single. So he's just a double shy of the cycle. And so when they pitched him inside and hit him, although they obviously didn't pitch him up and in, it was nothing dangerous, he was clearly irritated by that. And I think the Astros were a little irritated by that. And so if they did pitch in on one of their guys, well, that's how baseball is. I'm not a big fan of the of the sort of, you know, you hit our guy, we're going to hit your guy kind of thing. I, it seems a little juvenile to me, but I know it is part of the unwritten rules of baseball, quote-unquote. And so... You know, Presley threw inside. Now, his argument at the time was, hey, I wasn't trying to hit the guy. I'm just trying to brush him back, get him off the plate, um, which pitchers have been doing, you know, for decades. Well, Presley did not like that they gave him a warning and there had been no other warnings issued earlier in the game. He lost it. He was infuriated and he got tossed. Um, Fortunately, with one out left, it was no big deal. I mean, Phil Maton came in and had a very rough start, but immediately following Rafael Montero came in and, and finished it up and everything was fine. And, you know, that was that. But it does bring up the subject of umpires and egos and strike zones and accountability. I discussed this on... Uh, on KUHF, on on Houston Matters, yesterday, on Monday. And I basically said that, you know, the umpires in Major League Baseball have tremendous power, more so than really in any other league. We don't know what their accountability is. They have a very strong union. They've got guys who are umpiring who, frankly, have no business umpiring at this point. Their egos are massive their strike zones or whatever they want it to be for that day. And I won't go so far as to say we're going to end up with robot umpires like they've been testing out in the minor leagues or anything like that. But you do have to wonder, when is that accountability going to become serious enough for baseball to do something about it? And this was a very minor incident, right? And by all accounts, the, the umpires probably weren't all that wrong about the Astros' intent with Presley's pitch. But there have been so many incidents this year of, of 
umpires just kind of being a little out of control, you know, overstepping a little bit and just, you know, putting their ego out there, that you do have to start to think at some point. And and look, let's also be clear that there are incredible technological advances. Like it was a decade ago, we really didn't have a regular usage of the strike zone box that you see on every Major League Baseball game now where you can check every single pitch. And and we didn't have guys on Twitter, which there are a couple of really good ones out there, who analyze every pitch and talk about and give ratings to umpires for every game they throw. I mean, that was not public information. The, the, you know, the general public was always mad at umpires because they always thought they were calling it wrong. Now we have proof that sometimes they, they genuinely are calling it wrong. And so I think that's a big deal, and that's making a big deal, uh, making it a bigger deal, I should say, than it has been in the past. And it's something definitely to keep an eye on, and something I feel like we'll discuss in in future episodes of this, particularly uh, when I get a co-host where we can bounce things off one another and and really dig deeper into this whole issue of you know where umpires are now and and where we're going in the future. I mean, I don't think it's crazy to think that at some point in the future we can have challenges to strikes and balls. You know, in, in tennis, they have an excellent system for determining if a ball's in or out. And sometimes it's in or out by a sliver. And they live by it. And it works quite well. And they use challenges, you know, when they, they have a few. And it's, it's very effective. And it, and it helps, you know, with the accountability of the game. And so I think, you know, it wouldn't be shocking to me to see that happen um, the same way we've seen replays uh, come into to Major League Baseball. I will say one of the best developments we've had is that umpires now are forced to talk to the crowd like they do in the NFL and like they've also been forced to do in the NBA. To me, there's nothing more entertaining than hearing a guy who never is on a microphone start talking. It's just, it's amazing. Every single time. And I just, I freaking love it. Um, Okay, point three um, that I've sort of written about here, or is this point four? I believe we're actually on point four. Pardon me. Um, And that is, is what we're seeing seeing from Yuli Gurriel just who he is now. And it's, you know, right now, Gurriel, uh, as of yesterday, was slashing 225, 268, 360, and 628, all of which were the lowest marks of his career. And that included the pandemic-shortened 2020 season where he was injured. He has fewer home runs in RBIs in 48 games this season than he had in 36 games in 2016, his first season in Major League Baseball. Obviously, he came in at an older age, so, you know, but the comparables are there. He just looks uncomfortable at the plate, never mind what he's hitting and never mind uh, the struggles he's having. And he looks great defensively. I think that should be pointed out. He still looks, he snagged an incredible line drive in the ninth inning tonight. And he looks great at first base. But, He's on pace to strike out 80 times. 80. That would be a career high. He's never gone over 70. In fact, he's never hit 70 in his career. So we can 
truly say that this is is this has been a bad first third of the season. By we are, by the way, we are through the first third of the season, so we can make some I think reasonable projections um, because it's not like he's had a bad month. He's he's you know he's had a bad third of the season, and so we have to start wondering: Is this who Yuli Gurriel is, and what does that mean for the Astros? Does that mean he's eventually going to have to move down? In the lineup, I think that's an idea that you know I've discussed before. A lot of people have discussed moving Jeremy Pena up. Um, Dusty Baker is a guy that likes to go with uh, continuity, and certainly the Astros are winning. And so right now, there's you know again complaining is is not something that really makes a whole lot of sense. Nevertheless, it's something that's going to need to be talked about at some point. If Yuli doesn't turn this around, if he doesn't start hitting the ball, and and frankly, if he doesn't start seeing the ball better, the number of strikeouts is a is a big indicator. Then there are going to have to be some hard discussions about, you know, when is Yuli going to get? I don't want to say demoted because he's not going to be demoted, but at least move down in the lineup. And then you know, let's not even get into Alex Bregman right now. He's he's moving up a little bit lately. But he is not himself, and and you know we'll probably dig into him next week. But as we talked about last time, there are some holes in the lineup, and with Yuli, he's you know you're talking about a guy that's over that's ahead of Jeremy Pena, and you have to wonder how much is that hurting them. Now he had a walk tonight, um, that was certainly good, and you know but he just doesn't he doesn't look like a guy that's comfortable at the plate right now. And Yuli, if nothing else, is a professional baseball hitter, as they like to say, like Michael Brantley, you know. And he's just not a professional hitter at the moment. And so that's certainly a worry and I think something that we all need to be thinking about. And certainly I'm sure the Astros are thinking about it. Looking into the series this week, one more game against the Mariners, uh, followed by a three-game set against the Marlins, one of the worst teams in, in the National League. They're terrible. Um this is a time, again, they, they face the Rangers next week. This is a time for them to pad their their wins uh, before they go into a, a tougher part of the schedule. Um, they're going to have more home games and road games going forward. That's a big deal. And there is one other thing we should quickly discuss, and that does not include Deshaun Watson. I, I You know, this is not a football podcast. This is an Astros podcast. So I'm just going to leave it, but let's just say what an incredible disappointment if you're a Houston sports fan, at least in the fact that they had him at one point. But if it turns out to be as bad as it is, good on the Texans for getting three first-round draft picks. Anyway, back to baseball. Worth noting that Jake Myers and Taylor Jones are both now in rehab stints at Sugarland uh, with the Space Cowboys. I'm not sure how long it's going to take me to get used to saying Space Cowboys, but here we are. Uh, Myers, if he comes back within the next couple of weeks, he represents a pretty significant upgrade at center field. Not necessarily defensively. I mean, Jose Siri is one of the best center field defensive players in baseball, quite frankly. Um, but certainly at the plate, you would think Jake Myers is going to be an upgrade. And he is a very good defensive player as well. The big question at that point is, what do you do with Chaz McCormick? Now, he still has options left, so I assume they could send him down to the minor leagues. But you've got to think, 
And there have been some, I saw a story on Major League Baseball today that a friend of mine sent me showing that Chaz McCormick is a guy that, that could be on the trading block, a guy that has some value and could help the Astros in that regard. You, you have to, do have to think they have a glut. They have some, you know, Pedro Leon, who's kind of tearing up the minor leagues at the moment. Um, they have some other guys out there already in the outfield, never mind Jake Myers. And with signing Jordan Alvarez, it looks like they have a, a, a kind of a good, solid three-man lineup in the outfield, at least for the foreseeable future, at least for the near term. But um, especially if Michael Brantley's a free agent after this year, you would have to think that Alvarez could take his place. But also, look, don't discount um, Taylor Jones. Jones had, you know, some some good at-bats for the Astros last year, and, you know, he plays first base, which brings us to Yuli Gurriel. Could he spell Yuli Gurriel a little bit? You know, could he come back and, you know, give some rest to Alvarez and Mike? Oh, he plays some left field. Could he give uh, some rest to them, the DH spot? There's another possibility, probably more likely later in the season, especially with September call-ups. Now, we should also mention that Lance McCullers is threw 30 pitches from the mound uh, in his rehab. He also apparently today threw 25 cutters from the mound, which is obviously with more spin rate as a, as a different kind of pitch and a little more tough on the pitchers. So he's close. And Christian Javier had a had a tough game last night, although, you know, giving up four runs, not a disaster, but you've got to figure he's going to go back into the bullpen. And that's reasonable, you know, at this point. But they have a glut of talent on the pitching, you know, in, in the rotation. And it's a fantastic thing for the Astros. It's absolutely outstanding. So we'll have to see how that all shakes out. I imagine we'll start to see some of these guys roll back into the rotation, back into the lineup over the next three weeks, probably. Um, and we'll keep an eye on it and see how it goes. So for now, I'm going to bid you a fond adieu, as they say in France. Um, it's about 11 o'clock uh, now on Tuesday night. I will do a quick, before I sign off, a quick check of the scores, and it is now 5-4 Angels over the Red Sox bottom of the sixth, according to my Google scoreboard. And uh, let's hope for an Angels loss, which would put the Astros up nine and a half games. Whew, man, the Angels are not making it difficult right now for the Astros. But, you know, I always feel I've been a big Houston sports fan for a long time. And I never like it when the teams are succeeding in the first portion of the season or even the first half of games. When the Rockets are up in the first half, I'm always like, when are the wheels going to fall off, right? So let's not count our chickens before they're hatched. I saw a stat the other day that said that teams that are up by seven games after a third of the season are almost 100% locked to make the playoffs. Let's not even think about that right now. The Astros need to get better offensively and just keep churning away. Continue to play great defense. Continue to get great starting pitching and outstanding, outstanding pitching from their bullpen. They have one of the best, they have the best bullpen in baseball. I don't struggle or worry about saying that. I think that's absolutely 100% accurate. Uh, 
and um, just keep doing what they're doing. Get out there and get after it and make it happen. So thank you for tuning in for episode two. I will be back with episode three next week. In the meantime, you can find me on Twitter at Jeff Balke, J-E-F-F-B-A-L-K-E. And you can see my posts on HoustonPress.com. You can also catch me on Mondays. Now, I might not be on this Monday. It might be preempted by the January 6th stuff that's happening. But uh, most Mondays, I appear on KUHF around 9.45, 9.50, talking sports for 10 or 15 minutes on that program as well. But obviously, I will be back here on the Believe in Astros podcast next week on the Believe in Podcasting Network. So thanks again for joining me. We'll talk to you soon. Go Astros. At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than a life policy. It's about the promise and the responsibility that comes with being a new parent, being there day and night, and building a plan for tomorrow, today. For the ones you'll always look out for, trust Amica Life Insurance. Amica. Empathy is our best policy. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.